All right. Well, it's uh, it's my pleasure uh, today to uh, introduce uh, Reverend Larry Hurst. Uh, I'm sure Larry's going to tell us uh, more about himself. And uh, in the bulletin, uh, he's actually uh, prepared a little bio for, it, uh, for us to, to read there. Um, Larry's going to be serving um, here for the next several months in a transitional role, and I'll let him maybe explain a bit more about what um, all that in, entails. One thing to note is that um, it's Larry's desire, and it's our desire, uh, that we get to know each other very well. And, and uh, that requires that we maybe be a little bit intentional about uh, getting together to meet. And so if you want to go for coffee or lunch or talk to Larry, get to know him uh, better, um, let Bev know, let the board know, let Larry know. Uh, let's, uh, let's be intentional. Uh, about that in in these next first couple of weeks. So, anyways, um, yeah, Larry, would you come up and ask around? Let's uh, let's welcome Larry here. Thanks, Graham, for not telling them that I didn't recognize you in the hallway this morning. It's like, oh man, I couldn't believe it. Um, my excuse is when I first saw Graham face to face, I was sitting down, he was standing up, and then he was sitting beside me for the rest of the evening. So that was at a, a board meeting supper a few weeks back, and it's like, anyway, I couldn't believe it. So thanks for your graciousness, Graham. I appreciate that. Thank you to Esteban Alliance Church for the warm welcome to Esteban. Uh, Bennett and Sharon and I got back from supper last night at the hotel, and here's this package sitting there on the on the counter, and Bennett's going, what's that? And Sharon's going, what's that? And thank you for the welcome gift. Uh, the muffins didn't make it past 8 o'clock this morning. They were gone. Uh, the chocolate chip cookies barely survived. And I'm sure the sugar cookies will be gone by the time we get to Regina. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much. That was a, a beautiful surprise. It was uh, fun to unwrap it. And, uh, yeah, really appreciate the warm welcome uh, you've given us. Looking forward to getting to know you, as, as Graham said. Um, and that's kind of the main purpose is for me to listen. And so um, if you invite me out for coffee or if you take me out for lunch or we're connecting in some way and I'm talking too much, uh, feel free to remind me. Um, you're here to listen, okay? Uh, that's my goal. That's my role. And uh, to work with the board, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But um, transition times are challenging. And before we talk about that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this new relationship that Sharon and I have with Esteban Alliance Church. I thank you for what you're going to do as a result of that relationship, what you're going to do in me, how you will shape and form me from the things I learn, the things I hear, uh, new perspectives, different perspectives. So, Father, I pray for Esteban Alliance Church as they go through this transition time, that you would prepare them for all that you have for them, that this wouldn't feel like things are on pause or things are on hold, uh, but, Lord, they would feel like you were moving them forward, but at the same time moving them forward with a purpose, with an idea in mind of what uh, future leadership looks like is going to be and how that will mesh and merge together. So, Father, thank you uh, for doing a new thing here today. And we look forward to what you will do uh, in all of us in the days to come, we pray. In your name. Amen. 
if you were to look at the Bible through the lens of transition, um, almost from the very beginning, transition is happening. Genesis chapter 2, Adam goes from being single to being a couple. And if you can think back to your pre-married life, for those of you who are married, um, going from being single to being a couple has its challenges, has its thrills and excitement, but it, it's also a whole new way of learning how to live. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve have to relocate. They are kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and they got to learn how to live in a new location, a totally, totally different environment. And actually, if you proceed through the, the Bible, you find numerous people are, in, are sort of faced with the idea of transition. Abraham. And you're, you're going to fill in the gaps with people I miss, and that's great. That's good. And think about their experience of transition. Abraham, fairly young guy is sort of my guess, like young, young married guy. Yeah, his wife is going to be married for a while before they have children. But, you know, um, he's moving from his home to what God says is a place I will show you. I guess it's a road trip that has no destination at the moment. At least he doesn't. God has a destination for it, but he has no, no idea where it's going. So here's transition for Abraham, right? Leaving his home in Ur of the Chaldees, what we now would call Iraq. Um, leaving his home there and going, and God will show him. It's like having your GPS tell you exactly where you're going to go and you have no clue. You're not telling your GPS, your GPS is telling you. Not easy. Not easy. Another significant transition, and with some different dynamics to it, is David. When he is told by the Lord, and he is anointed by Samuel, and you're the king. The only problem is, there's a king in place. King Saul, oh, well, he's got the memo, but he's not leaving yet. And so here's David, who is the rightful king, and all the stuff that he has to go through, all the stuff that he has endured, has to endure, knowing that he's the anointed king, he's the one appointed by God, but Saul's still the king, and David just has to bide his time. And how he does that, how David does that is, to me, just phenomenal. In fact, it's one of those things that, if you look at it, David's life before he was king was much more godly than his life after he was king. David was much more dependent on God. David was much more humble in those early days when Saul's the king and David's the king in waiting, but actually the king as far as God. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. That in fact, I would say David, David on the run is a much better godly person than David on the throne. There's other accounts. Uh, the story of Ruth and Naomi is a good story of transition from married to widowhood. Um, and then relocation. And in fact, Naomi, she's a refugee over to Moab. Then she repatriates back to Bethlehem. And, I mean, just this constant migration back and forth. Um, lots to learn. Lots to learn. Uh, you get to the New Testament. Mary. Start at the beginning of the New Testament. Mary. She's single. Then she's engaged. Then she's pregnant. Then she's the mother of the Son of God. And then she has to watch her son, ultimately to the point of crucifixion. Talk about transition. Talk about the ebbs and flows of life. Talk about the unknown of where this is all going. There's the disciples. 
from being fishermen and tax collectors to being followers of Jesus of Nazareth, a leader who has nowhere to lay his head, who has no place to call home. Itinerants roaming the Judean and Galilean countryside. Saul, who becomes Paul. That's a significant transition, right? From somebody who is persecuting the Christians and out to get the Christians in Damascus. And before he gets there, he's knocked to the ground. And Saul becomes Paul. And in a few verses, he's preaching. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Peter describes followers of Jesus as aliens and strangers. Reminds us that this is not our home. This world, this earth is not our home. That our citizenship is in heaven, according to Paul, when he writes to the Philippians. But at the same time, this is our Father's world. But God's going to do a new thing. So that's sort of some biblical trails of transition. So let's translate that into our lives. Life stages, life seasons. Um, what kind of transitions do we go through? What kind of, what kind of trans, when you think of transition in your life or maybe just your friend's life, okay? Talk about your friend is going through. What, what kind of thing, what are our transitions? What are our, I've already hinted at some of them, relational transitions, right? Okay, moving, big one. Becoming a senior, excellent, excellent. Whole new world, right? And it's not just getting a ten percent discount. No, because what if you're like me? You didn't want the ten percent discount at one point, but then you get to a stage like, oh, you forgot the discount. Like I have. So there's that kind, right? You, are you fishing or are you catching? Right? I don't know. So yeah, becoming a senior, retirement, retirement. Um, okay, empty nest, exactly. Um, and it's not always cut and dried either. And, and they leave in different ways and, and they, and then they keep coming back, right? That, so it's like, you think you're done and you think you've sorted out and you're moving on and you got to move back because they move back. So yeah, yeah, good, great. What other kind of transitions happen to us? What other kind of life transitions? Losses, grief, sorrow, death. Um, exactly, yeah, yeah. Graduation, sure. I, 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 think most, I think most high school grads really hate the question, so what are you going to do now? I mean, I, I think most kids just hate that question. But, I mean, that's part of the transition, right? I mean, okay, what else? What else comes to mind when you think transition? Having kids, right? So you go from single to married to a couple, and now now it's a, a group, one or more, right? And whether it's one or five or or more, right? Exactly. That's a transition. That that's a new way of living. That's a new way of functioning. Um, when we moved to Nipwin, uh, we had been in Northern Ontario, and we moved to Nipwin in '94, and our daughter was going into grade eight. And our son was going into grade 10. Um, tough times to move. Fortunately, uh, my brother was a salesman and he had a number of aeroplane miles. And he said, hey, we'll fly Jen back to our place in Ontario for her grade 8 grad. So at least she knew 
there was that sort of closure could come with her, her grade eight group. But at the same time, going to Nipwin, Jen was quite happy because the Nipwin at the comprehensive school, they had it divided into seven, eight, nine. So she was in kind of junior high, which is kind of cool. Um, felt like you're high school and you're only in grade eight. And our son, he loved it because he got to play nine man football and they didn't have nine men. So there was, you know, it was, it's tough time and there's stuff that we, I mean, we had no control over that. Just like we, these relatives had no control over the pharmacy being open, right? And it's just like, thank you. There's things there that God puts in place and you go, oh. so that helped. I mean, it was still tough, but yeah. Okay. Um, talking about loss, uh, before the nip one thing, I was unemployed for two years. Um, I finished at the church, as you can see in the bio. I finished at Calvary Gospel Church in 1992, August of 92. And then we didn't head to Nipwin until August of 94. So I had two years of unemployment. Interestingly enough, that was the same time. Um, the uranium mines in Elliott Lake. You know anything about Elliott Lake, Northern Ontario? The uranium mines, Rio Algom, uh, was the main uh, mining company there. Uh, they were shutting down. So they're closing the mines in Familiar echo, right? Those in the mines. And I forget how many employees were being laid off work. Anyway, the Ontario government was pouring tons of money into Northern Ontario because how do you manage that sort of shutdown and closure? And so I had uh, resigned from the church. It was kind of a mutual agreement. And it resigned from the church. And somebody said to me, hey, have you thought about going for back then? It was called unemployment insurance. So I went in. Not the man back then, right? Back in the day, manpower was what we called it on Ontario. So I went into manpower, said the details, they checked with the board chairman, our stories match. I got unemployment for you. I had no idea that was going to happen. Um, but at the same time, in the context of the uh, mines closing, and a couple of our guys from the church were affected by it, and one had to uh, start up a new, he started a computer store. Uh, computers were just becoming more popular. He started a computer store and uh, another family had to relocate. But that's all part of that whole loss and change and grief thing. Um, the other, a big one for me, and I, I should have put this in the, in the one part of the bio. I just love being a grandparent. I love grandparenting. Partly, nobody told, I had no idea how much fun grandparenting was. Our our parents were six hours plus away from our kids, and there wasn't a lot of grandparent contact for our kids. And so when uh, Finn, the one from Fort Capel, came along first almost seven years ago, and then Bennett came along six years ago in May, and then four years ago, Hayden, um, and I was sort of coming to the end of my time in, in Living Hope, and so I had a little more time on my hands, and it was just great. I just loved grandparenting. Loving grandparenting so much created a real important transition for me. And a year ago, a year ago, September, September 2017, I took this picture of Bennett. We, it was our last day at the park. And uh, Bennett and I, Bennett was going into kindergarten. And I kind of thought, okay, this is, um, this is the end of an era. So I took this picture of Bennett at the park. We were playing. Have we got the picture there, Bennett? There we go. Here's Bennett. End of an era is kind of what I called it because he was going into kindergarten and he had daycare all set up and they had the before school, after school thing going. And so I figured that it was end of an era for me. So I was going to have to adjust from all the time I had because Bennett was in Regina. Well, I thought that transition was hard. This year, Bennett's going into grade one. 
So I've gone from, because over the past year, I've been able to help out with uh, doing uh, school trips a little bit. I was signed on with the kindergarten class for trips. And then I'd go and rescue them from daycare and uh, we'd hang out. And so I slide right on my way. Um, no offense to any daycare workers. Um, but he told me he told me he didn't like daycare. So I thought, okay, good, I got a mission. I'm gonna save him from daycare. And he tells me later he just didn't like nap. Like, Ben, why didn't you tell me that? Um, but this year it's 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 even tougher because he's in grade one. And now I'm relegated to PD days. That's it. Three or four PD I call them puppet days. I know they're personal professional development days or whatever, but I call them puppet days. So it's really sort of deteriorating. Now I have to adjust even more. Um, but yeah, all that to say there's, there's all kinds of ways life and we face transitions and we all handle it differently. We all handle it differently. But there's that big C word, right? Around transition. Word change. Google Dictionary describes transition this way. The process or a period of changing from one state or condition to another. And I think, at least, Estevanalyzed Church is a normal church. We, as churches, have a hard time with change. Usually, it's a struggle to change. Especially, it seems, in churches. Interesting, though, change is a crucial component of Christianity. Change is a crucial component of our faith. Because coming to Christ is about change. Coming to Christ is about a turning around. Coming to Christ is about changing our way of thinking about God, about Jesus, about the people around us. So coming to Christ and becoming a follower of Christ, just as it was for the fishermen, just as it was for the tax collector who followed Jesus, just as it was for everybody, there, there's a change. Christianity is about change. We become a new creation, the Bible says. We sang this morning, you make us new. You make us new. And, as we said, the tent meetings and the talk about revival and renewal, it's about this constant renewal. That change, deep change is hard. When it comes to change for other people, we can figure that out for them pretty well. But when it comes to change for me, what does that look like? What what really changes? Sanctification or becoming more like Christ is about change and renewal and implies deep change. Now, as Kevin said, I want to fill you in a little bit on what a transition pastor does and what a transition pastor uh, set up this because it, it's not like an interim pastor. Um, I was an interim pastor in Nipwin for the final year of our time in Nipwin. Pastor Ed had resigned from Nipwin Alliance Church, and uh, Trevor and Linda Snyder were part of our congregation there in Nipwin at that time, and the girls. And I was sort of called the interim pastor because basically there I just filled in Sundays. I was just pulpit fly Sunday in the summer. Um, after we went through the year, and in the summer I was a little more involved with the board and leadership, but. I was the interim pastor, and a transition pastor is significantly different uh, from, a, from an interim pastor. 
primarily in the idea of intentionality. And, and uh, Graham mentioned intentionality in terms of us connecting. But my role is to intentionally consider a church's health as it prepares for the next pastor. So in transition pastor, it's kind of like long distance dating in some ways. I'm, I'm two hours away in Regina. So it's kind of like there's, there's a long distance back. It's kind of like an arranged marriage with a shelf life. Because it's sort of the, the district says, Larry, would you consider going to Estevan Alliance? Talk a little bit with the board. But basically, it's an appointment. So it's kind of like an arranged marriage, but it, it's going to end at some point. And that's maybe the good thing about this arranged marriage. For your sake, it's like, okay, um, it, it's going to end. And then it's all about preparation for the new pastor who's going to come. So there, there's a couple of things we just put on some slides here just to remind you and, and for accountability for me, just to keep that in mind as well in terms of what the role is of, uh, of a transition pastor. Warm, relevant, preaching, and teaching. I think that pretty much says what my goal is in, in communicating uh, from Sunday to Sunday as I'm here, probably two to three Sundays a month um, is sort of the plan. And that takes some pressure off the board for finding COPA supply. But at the same time, there are those, those windows where um, your connection with people who will minister on Sunday can, can continue. So it's not like I come in and take over every Sunday, um, but that it's warm and relevant preaching and teaching to move us forward. Um, the second thing would be loving pastoral care. And that's where the, the relationship of you getting a hold of Bev and saying, hey, is Pastor Larry available? And so we're putting it in the bulletin. Um, as it says in the bulletin at the back, I think it is on the back. I'm in town this week. It's on Thursday. Probably next week. It'll, the week after will be on a Wednesday. And that's the nice thing about being only two hours away is we can make the circuit back and forth uh, quite quickly. Uh, but again, um, you know, if, if there's a crisis, an emergency, a hospital visit is needed, um, should a funeral uh, be needed. Uh, we did a baptism service in uh, in Kindersley. So you know, you, we want things to kind of keep going as usual and not, not, not things stop and everything's on hold till the next pastor comes, but to keep things moving forward. And so loving pastoral care. And, and I really, uh, yeah, I want to catch up with as many as you as I possibly can. I want to catch up with all of you in some way, shape, or form for coffee or visit or get to know you and hear your story and um, your connection with us. And then the last part of this, uh, effective transitional ministry, sort of, again, moving things forward and moving things toward uh, preparation and readiness for the next individual. So my job is to assist the church, to assist the board, to assist those in ministry here. So as what happens is um, Sharon and I are automatically members of Estadana Alliance Church because I've been appointed as a transition pastor. I'm automatically a board member. Uh, on the board and voting member accepting things related to uh, personal finances uh, for my role. So so that is all the same. If you know Alliance Churches, you know that the senior pastor is automatically chairman of the board in the local church constitution, and then it's up to the senior pastor if he wants to to appoint a, a board chairman. So that doesn't happen in transition. Graham stays the chairman, and we move forward. But other than that, um, that's sort of how that institutionally kind of work. In terms of goals uh, for transition ministry, closure, um, looking back, any unfinished business, any things that need to be um, addressed from the past, uh, 
wounds that need to be healed, but at the same time appreciating the past, uh, affirming the past, and recognizing the good things that have happened in the past. So closure uh, is part of it. Uh, relationship renewal, if there are fractured relationships. So, so closure is about looking back. Um, relationship renewal is about looking around, looking within. And then thirdly, vision renewal. Um, I was excited at the when I had supper with the board. I was able to get together with Graham and three other board members and later on catch up with Bob, but to show me the vision uh, statement that the church has been working very hard on and to see that you guys have vision in place. And, and they would say, it's not all for it. That's not all I know. There's a few things you need some tweaking or some wordsmithing or something. That's fine. But you've got a great picture of where, who estimate. Firstly, who Esteban Alliance Church is. <laughs> and I think it's really neat. Um, because the last one on the list is about kids. And the first thing I saw this morning in the, in the church was the kids dancing. The and then I saw the huge row of kids. And my grandson couldn't wait to get into Carolyn. So and that reflects who you are, right? And that's, that's how you invest your time, your energy, your prayer, your so on, right? So, so the vision is good. The vision is there. Nothing. Just, just kind of keep it moving forward and encouraging it and affirming it. Uh, structural renewal, if necessary. And, and finally, to help the church with the pastoral search. Um, one of the questions um, I was asked at the, the supper with the board uh, was about the search committee. Am I on the search committee? Well, I'm just kind of an advisory guy on the search committee. I don't have any say in going through the resumes and stuff once the search committee gets together. I'm just kind of riding along with them with some advice in terms of process and procedure. And the Alliance, the district has a very good process in place for pastoral search, and that's one of the things we start talking about at the first board meeting uh, when we get together. So that's a part of the process. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not hand-picking people. I'm not picking the next person for Estevan Alliance Church, and that's... So I, I, and I thought that was a very good question. Um, and so uh, that's kind of where that sits. So my plan is, yeah, coffee, meals. Um, I'll be here in the study, try for in, as long as the weather holds out, one day a week, come down one day a week, and either come down Saturday or just Sunday morning before church. If you can only see me on weekends, then I'll come down Saturday and, um, and stay overnight here. Two to three Sundays a month uh, to be involved and engaged as much as possible. And I invite you to be involved and engaged as much as possible on Sunday to Sunday. Uh, for the next six weeks, we're going to go through the book of Ephesians really quickly, very broad stroke. But I would encourage you to kind of make that part of your reading. Uh, read it in a different translation. I taught methods of Bible study at uh, Nippon Bible College when I was there. And one of the keys to understanding and reading the Bible is to read it in a different translation. So we're going to go very quickly through the book of Ephesians. I'm going to highlight a few things, um, starting off with uh, why the church of Jesus Christ exists. But if you can uh, make Ephesians sort of your sidebar to your regular Bible reading, uh, that would be great. And uh, we'll start there next week. One of the key transition points we missed, and we're, we're going to close with this for just a few minutes. Just to, I think you got the picture. Um, in the upper room, before Jesus goes to the cross, starts in John chapter 13. If you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13. If you got your um, 
electronic device, find John chapter 13. But John chapter 13 to John chapter 17 is a, is a huge transitional moment for the disciples. Jesus is about to leave. Now, in the other Gospels, in the other Gospels, Jesus, the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke record that at least on three occasions, Jesus told the disciples, okay, guys, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be delivered over to the, to the leadership, the Jewish leaders, and, here, and I'm going to be crucified. Now they're alone. They're alone together. This is Jesus' last words with his disciples. And he is preparing them for the transition. Because after three years with him and everything they've seen with him, he's about to leave. Chapter 13 is when Jesus washes their feet. And you get a little sense, because this is where Peter comes in. And one minute, Peter is sort of saying, you know, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And then Jesus says, well, Peter, if I don't, then you have no part of me. Okay, Lord, give me a shower. Like, it just, it's like, he is, I don't know if you're familiar with Peter Scazzaro. Peter Scazzaro wrote the book, The Emotionally Healthy Church. And Peter Scazzaro talks about confusing in between. Another word for transition. Change is one word for transition. Confusing in between is another word for transition. And, and you get that in the disciples. They are, they are pillar to post. Like they are, they don't know if they're pitching or catching. Other phrase, I don't know if we can use it nowadays, but no man's name, no person. But that's how they, and, and the reaction, I mean, Peter's, Peter's a wreck in chapter 13. And then in 14 and 16, the other disciples, Thomas and Philip, they're asking questions, but it's like, are you guys really listening? And then when Jesus is actually handing out, doing the Passover, and they say, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? And Jesus says to them specifically, whoever I dip the sop in the cup with, it's him. And it happens, and Judas does it, and Jesus does it, and they still don't have a clue what Jesus is saying. They are just lost. Transition for the disciples, this period of transition was incredibly difficult. In chapter six, chapter 14, Jesus has this to say to the disciples, verse 16. John 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, comforter, helper, spirit of truth to be with you forever. The world cannot accept this counselor because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you. Now, he will be in you later. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So here's this. Jesus is reminding them of this incredible relationship they have with him in this incredible confusing in-between. Now, whether the confusing in-between for you is the situation here at Estefan Alliance Church, or maybe it's way more personal. Maybe you're between jobs. Maybe you're between relationships. Maybe you're in one of those demographic sort of moments of retirement or grandparenting or empty nesting, whatever you're confusing in, in between is, as a follower of Jesus, his words to his disciples are his words to us. 
on that day, which is the day we live in now, you will realize that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Over to chapter 16. Jesus has a little more to say in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 16. So it's about his departure. Okay, it's about them being left alone. It says, now I'm going to him who sent me, 16.5. Yet none of you even asked me, where are you going? One obvious question. Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. Because of law, right? Because of the unknown that they're facing. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Now, if you were to stop that conversation with Jesus and the disciples, and a reporter was to go up to one of the disciples and say, what do you think about that statement? <laughs> this is for your good. It's good for you that I'm leaving. What do you think, Peter? What do you think, Mary Magdalene? What do you think, Mary, the mother of Jesus? I don't think it's... I didn't see that coming. It's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The promise is the ongoing presence of Jesus, no matter what the followers think. The ongoing presence of Jesus. It's the answer to the prayer we hear most often prayed. Lord, be with. It's already been answered. He's preparing them. He's instructing them. He is with them, even when he's gone. That's the promise. The follower of Jesus, the body of Christ in any transition. I am with you. Christian Missionary Alliance is what I would call a Holy Spirit denomination. We're not a one-dimensional church family, but we are a Holy Spirit family of churches. Holy Spirit is with us, and as we enter this transition time, I hope we can enter it with open arms, open mind, and open heart, and find out what God has for us. As the worship team comes forward to lead us in our closing songs, I want you to think about the phrases we're going to sing and take them back to the things we've talked about regarding transition, that he is good. That God is good even in the in-between, in the confusing in-between. That he is everlasting, that he is faithful. And in the songs we've already sang, the reminder that all we really need is Jesus. Is, boy, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Jesus said, apart from me, in that upper room with the disciples, chapter 15, he said to the disciples, apart from me, you can't do nothing. Let's make our goal. Here on in, acknowledge dependence on the Lord Jesus for everything we are, everything we have, and everything we need.